Welcome to this week's sermon from Spark. We are a community who believes we are deeply loved by God and seek to welcome, support, love, and serve every person we meet. We hope this message has something for you today. All right, great job, band. And thank you for bringing your energy and your praises. I'm always so grateful for this group because you might be a small group, but you engage and you help us to feel energized since this is the third time that we're doing this this morning. So thank you for engaging and yes, praising God honestly too, because I see each of you engaging with God in a way that's true to yourself and that's amazing. So Today, like we said, is Palm Sunday, and we have seen the story of Palm Sunday in the video. We have walked our way here shouting our hosannas. We just sang hosanna to Jesus, and so we remember that Jesus came today into the city of Jerusalem, and the city of Jerusalem was the center of the Jewish people of their faith because the city of Jerusalem held their temple, and it was this very big worship place that they would come to. And so people from all around the city of Jerusalem for holidays would travel into the city in order to celebrate and to worship. And so today we remember Palm Sunday and Jesus was coming into the city just like a whole bunch of other people were in order to celebrate Passover. Now Passover is a Jewish holiday. It actually was yesterday, I believe. If not, it was Friday. I can't exactly remember. It was yesterday. Yes, yeah, so yesterday was Passover. And yesterday, Jewish people all over the world would have a meal together as part of their worship. And this meal together is a time that they come together and they remember the way that God passed over the Israelites, the Jewish people, back in the time of Moses. So if you remember the story of Moses, right, and he was told by God to go to Pharaoh to tell Pharaoh to free the Israelite people because the Israelite people were enslaved, right? And when Moses went to Pharaoh and asked for him to free the people, what did the Pharaoh say? He said, no, right? And then God brought down these plagues upon the Egyptian people because God was not happy with the fact that Pharaoh said no, And the last of these plagues, the worst of these plagues, was the plague where overnight any um, family that didn't have the blood of a lamb over their doorway or who didn't believe in God, their firstborn child would pass away. And this happened, this came to pass, and all of the Israelite people were spared. Their homes were passed over which is why we call it Passover, right? And they were protected. And so then the next day, after this great atrocity had happened, the Pharaoh finally changed his mind and said, yes, you can let my people go. And so people of the Jewish faith gather together and they have a meal to remember the way that God protected them, that God provided for them. And then this meal that they eat was kind of like their last meal in their home place that they had known for a long, long time, right? And then after that, they journey into the desert, and they spend 40 years in the desert before they reach the promised land. And so this is like their last meal as a people who have kind of a place to live that's not wandering through the desert. And this meal usually involves bread and meat and special herbs and spices that would have been readily available at the time. So Jesus is coming into Jerusalem for the purpose of celebrating this meal. 
And he comes into the town on, in a unique way. Everybody else is just kind of walking through the city gate, right, on their way to the temple. But Jesus asks for his disciples to go and to get a donkey, right? And then Jesus rides on this donkey into town. And for us, when we hear this story, we might think, well, that sounds kind of strange way. This whole thing sounds kind of strange, right? That somebody's riding into the city and everybody's grabbing tree branches and waving them around and saying Hosanna, and they're picking up cloaks and throwing them in front of the donkey and all kind of like celebrating. And so for us, that's kind of a bizarre thing to have happen, right? But at the time, it would have been pretty typical, something that had, you would have seen before. Because when kings or governors or political leaders entered the city, especially after they had been in battle or after they had overcome some challenge or had some victory for the town, they would ride in on um, horses and in this big parade, and everybody would come and cheer and celebrate the victory of the city of the town led by their leaders, right? So this is something that like, when people come through the city gate riding on horses and things, people kind of come and are like, woohoo, we're excited because you're back, welcome back, thanks for saving us and doing whatever you needed to do out there in the world, right? So when Jesus comes into the city gates, this whole gathering is not necessarily unusual. The practice of doing that is not weird. But what is weird is how this particular, like, what this one looks like, right? So, like I said, if a king is riding into the city, what kind of animal do you imagine the king riding in on? A horse, right? Like a war horse, a big fancy steed. And Jesus comes in on a donkey, which is not a big fancy steed, right? Like, it's kind of like, hmm. It'd be like normally when people come in through the gates here at the children's home and they're in, you know, the, the campus vehicles, the vans, the flex, whatever, um, and you saw somebody and, like, Ms. Josie's coming into work on a tricycle. And you'd be like, what's going on with that? That's kind of bizarre, right? So the fact that Jesus coming in on a donkey also caught people's attention because it was different. And when Jesus comes in, he's not with a big army that has just vanquished some enemy or been off at war. He comes in with a ragtag group of disciples who were fishermen and tax collectors formerly and kind of just everyday ordinary dudes that were probably kind of dirty from all their travels and weren't wearing any kind of armor or carrying any kind of swords. And so Jesus' entry into the city was different. It was a little weird in some ways because a lot of these symbols or things that you normally would have seen were not there. And the people all gather and they come to see Jesus because maybe they've heard about him before. You know, word had been spreading about Jesus, this guy, this prophet, this teacher who was saying unique things and healing people in ways that other prophets had not healed people in a long, long time. And so people were drawn to him because they've heard about who he is and what he did. But there's another reason why the people were drawn to him. They were drawn to him because they were desperate for something to change. And I know that many of us um, who find ourselves here have had times of our lives where we really wanted things to change or be different. Um, we were maybe in a situation or a circumstance where we needed a big change. And so if you imagine yourself in that moment or in that time of your life, and maybe it's right now, 
that's what brought these people to Jesus, is they saw him as someone who could do something about their circumstances. They wanted him to be the person to overthrow the Roman government, which is a big deal because the empire of Rome was pretty ginormous. So they wanted him to overthrow the Roman government so that they could be free. And we know, because we are on this side of history, like what happened afterwards, right? But they didn't at that moment. And so we know that Jesus came and that Jesus was in fact a savior, that them saying, Hosanna, save us, God, save us, was an accurate thing for them to say to Jesus. But they had in mind a king and a victory that was very different than the type of king and the type of victory that Jesus was going to be and provide. They wanted Jesus to overthrow the government and to be this like ruler, empire, emperor. And Jesus was going to conquer death and sin and free them spiritually so that they could spend eternity with God. Those are two very different things. And so sometimes the weird part about Palm Sunday is we tell the whole story of Holy Week and we start with Palm Sunday and then we get to Friday, which is where Jesus was crucified. And there were crowds at Jesus' crucifixion that were shouting crucify him. They had a chance to have someone else be killed instead of Jesus. There was this practice that they would let someone free who maybe would have been condemned to death um, on the Passover, and they didn't choose Jesus. They chose this other guy. And so they condemned Jesus to death. And this, like, so like, it might not have been the exact same people, but a lot of the same people who were there celebrating and excited that Jesus was coming to town were also there at the end of the week saying, kill him. And it's a weird place, that's a weird thing to imagine, Right? But if we put ourselves back in the place of the moments of our lives where we desperately wanted something to change and we put our trust in someone that they would be the person that could change it for us and then they don't do that, we could be very angry, right? And so that's where those people found themselves several days later when Jesus didn't follow through on what they thought he should follow through on, when he didn't save them the way they thought he should. And so they shouted, crucify him. And we like to imagine ourselves as the people who are always waving our palms and saying, yay, Jesus, you're great, right? But sometimes we can be both of those crowds, right? There are days where we're like, yep, Jesus, you can save us. We cry out to God. We say, you're great. And then there are other days where we betray or we deny Jesus, We do that in our actions when we don't love our neighbors the way that God tells us to. We do that when we even speak poorly about ourselves, right? Because God made us good and God calls us beloved. And so when we even see ourselves as bad, we are denying the goodness of God. We're betraying who Jesus says we are. And so we do that all the time in little ways. I mean, we're not out there saying like, kill him, right? hopefully. So it's, we're not that extreme, but we also in little ways betray and deny Jesus all the time, and that's called sin. And so when we read and we walk through the story of Holy Week, we remember that we need God's saving grace and love in our life, because sometimes we're Palm Sunday people, and sometimes we're Good Friday people, 
And we need God in the middle of all of that. And when we stand on Palm Sunday and we shout to Jesus and say, save us, we often can be like these folks and have imagined in our minds the way that God should save us, right? Like if we imagine the way we would love our life to look, if everything was healed and made whole and made good, we probably have in our minds some steps of how we think that should happen. But what we learn about Palm Sunday is that God often has a different way of doing things. And it's a way that we could never, ever imagine. And I would say, based on this story, that it's a much better way of freeing people, that Jesus frees them from death and from sin and gives them new life, rather than freeing them from a government, which will be temporary. And so when we place ourselves as the people on Palm Sunday, The hard part, the hard work that we have to do is to trust and to believe that God is working things together in a way that's good for us. And we've talked about it the past couple weeks, right, with where is God in suffering and how do I apply my faith that God is doing good work kind of like stained glass windows, taking all the broken pieces and making something beautiful out of them. And we might make a picture that looks very different than the type of picture that God would create, but we have to trust that God is creating something good. And then that we can't just kind of sit back and wait for God to do all that. We have a role to play in it too, you know. So we have to kind of always be on the lookout for the way God is moving. And today we celebrate that Jesus enters into the city. And so as we hear the story, maybe we can remember the way that God enters into our lives should we choose to go to the city gate and to see Jesus coming in. And so we have the opportunity today to invite Jesus into whatever circumstance we're in. Maybe we need to cry out to God that we need to be saved or need help in some kind of way. Or maybe we're a little further along the path and we need to remind ourselves to trust and to believe that God is working things out in a way that will benefit us in the long term. Because the folks on Palm Sunday had it right, but they didn't know why they had it right. They shouted, save us. They shouted, you're the savior, you're the Messiah. That was all correct. But they could not have imagined exactly how Jesus would save them. And so we're going to celebrate that next Sunday. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks for your presence in our lives. And I pray, God, that your spirit would move amongst the people in this room, that for those who need you to enter into their lives, God, that they would come to the city gate and they would see you and that they would cry out to you and that they would invite you into their lives. And God, I pray for those of us who have been on the journey and seen other prophets or priests or seen other people who have claimed to be our Savior, God, I pray that you would remind us that you, in fact, are the one who can save us. And God, I pray that you would fill us with the knowledge of your presence with us, that you would fill us with belief and with trust so that we could know without a doubt that you are, in fact, working all things together for our good. God, help us to be people who celebrate you and who do not deny and betray you each and every day. Give us the strength to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, follow the link in the description below. Peace be with you.